Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the week. The Giants Beat Podcast Review and as always, Scott Thompson and Alex Evans here with you, and we are some happy Giants fans here this week. The Giants complete the season sweep of their division rival, Dallas Cowboys. They hand them their only two losses of the season. This time it came after a great game at MetLife Stadium. The weather was snowy. It was cold, but fans were amped on their feet all game long. It was a great game. Giants came out victorious 10-7, to and sent the Cowboys home to rethink what they thought was going to be a season where they just had that one loss. But what a game it was, and let's get right into it. We're going to go into what went right, obviously, after a Giants win, and Alex and I are going to break this all down for you. So the first thing we're going to talk about, what went right, obviously we're going to talk about this defense. It was stellar all game long from the beginning to the end, only allowing a touchdown to a team that was averaging about 28 points per game coming into MetLife Stadium, and they shut them down. First thing we got to talk about is pressuring Dak Prescott because the Giants forced the Cowboys off the field a lot. Dak, looking at his stats, he went 17 for 37, 20 incomplete passes for 165 yards, one TD, and two INT. So, Alex, what happened with Dak? Because that 11-game win streak, he was making those key throws against teams like Green Bay and Minnesota, both of those ones on the road, stepped up big in the fourth quarter. I mean, what happened to this fourth-round rookie right here? Well, I think uh, we finally got to got the realization that Dak is still a rookie. I know he's been playing uh, much better than a typical rookie, so I think he kind of came back to earth. But I think he hadn't faced a defense in a pass rush like the Giants. I mean, talk about getting out of the quarterback. They, I wouldn't say they handled Dallas' offensive line, but they certainly put a lot of pressure on them in Dak. Um, you're talking about um, Romeo Oak. Okora, which we'll talk about a little later, I'm sure. He had a sack, played a great game. And, of course, two other sacks from Jonathan Casillas and Kennard Robinson. So that was huge. And I just think Dak was a little uncomfortable. They, they, they made him uncomfortable. It's, it's similar to what we saw with, you know, those Super Bowl teams, Tom Brady in 2007 and 2011, getting him uncomfortable in the pocket, making him move out of the pocket. And, of course, the Giants were able to um, also – um, they played well in terms of um, pass coverage and a lot of coverage sacks for a result of um, great coverage there. So. so now you see Cowboys fans actually going on to Twitter saying, bench Dak, bench Dak. I mean, <laughs> this guy's been doing great all season long. I think that's a little bit too too uh, hasty there. But Alex, Dak showing that you know he has a soft spot. He He can't play maybe in those big games. So, Going forward, I mean, looking at the Cowboys a little bit, if it starts to keep going down, do you think that you could see Dak Prescott on the bench and Tony Romo coming in? Um, I don't think so. I think Dak's their guy. But, you know, again, Jerry Jones, he's been unpredictable in the past. He's kind of put the idea in, in the minds of the media and the fans that, you know, they could go back to Tony Romo, and he wants Tony to be a part of the Super Bowl. So maybe if Dallas loses to Tampa Bay this Sunday – then maybe you start to at least consider Tony putting Tony in there. But for now, I think Dak has Dak's done his job, and I think he's pretty safe. I agree with you. I think it was just a little hiccup on his part, kind of a big one, as in week one was actually a good game compared to what he did on Sunday night. I mean, he was held under 200 yards. He threw two INTs. He came into the game just throwing two interceptions all season long. So, 
It was a bad performance by Dak, and the Giants took advantage of it. And one of the reasons why Dak was forced into holding that ball long and just held in the pocket long was because of the secondary. Everyone back there needed to take a bow. They did a great job. Bunch of tip passes, tight coverage, no flags. We didn't see any pass interference. We had two INTs, one from Janoris Jenkins, one from Leon Hall. Uh, they made it hard for Dak to find anyone. Alex, summarize that secondary performance because I think it was their best of the season. Oh, by far it was their best of the season. I mean, you take a look, Des Bryant had one catch, and that ended up being a I – mean, he ended up fumbling that. So they really kept Dallas's receivers in check. They, were make, they obviously had the two picks, Jenkins and Leon Hall, who was a great start um, by Steve Spagnola and the Giants coaching staff. And and as I said before, they just they broke up a lot of passes. They were they had great coverage. I mean, I don't besides them, Terrence Newman scoring that touchdown early in the first quarter. There weren't really any blown coverages. So I think just obviously you said before the the, the um the there are a lot of coverage sacks. You know they they you know they they took away Dak's options and eventually if you do that and Dak has to hold into the ball for a long time, uh, the defensive line is gonna gonna um, get to him and that's what happened. And I just think the secondary was catalyst in this game and for. Uh, the defense and as to why they were so successful. Absolutely. I think this secondary was absolutely stellar. Just looking at a couple of stats, Terrence Williams, to correct you real quick, other than Terrence Newman, obviously both Cowboys at one point. I always get them (laughs) mixed up. But, you know, just that one play, that 31-yard touchdown, Andrew Adams blew his coverage, and subsequently he got benched, and Leon Hall comes in, makes that big pick. Cole Beasley, only four catches, which – is he's the leading receiver on this team? You usually see him making at least six or seven. Jason Witten, four catches, but only held the 26 yards. Landon Collins was on him in a heartbeat. You saw that big hit as well on a third down. And Des Bryant, like you said, held to one reception for 10 yards. That's it. Janoris Jenkins did a great job spying him all game long. He even got that interception on him on that slant play, jumped the route. Great play by the secondary. Absolutely loved what I saw from them. But in general, let's talk about that that pass rush on Dak Prescott. We got to thank Steve Spagnuolo for these different blitz packages that he was putting out there all game long, making Dak work. You saw zone blitzes on the right side. You saw an entire squadron of giants coming at you at one point. That's where you had Devon Kennard getting a sack. You had Jonathan. Um, excuse me, I believe it was Jonathan Casillas, or is it not? It was Casillas. It was Casillas getting a sack. I thought I was right. So you see linebackers getting sacked. Romeo Arquara coming off from the left side. He gets the first sack of the game in replacement for Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, the front four was putting in work. This pressure from the Giants has just absolutely gone up week by week. And, Alex, do you think that this was the best packages I think I've seen from Steve Spagnuolo all season long? Oh, it, it it definitely wasn't. It showed. I mean, he was just constantly bringing pressure. And usually, um, I think the um, Dak was just uncomfortable, and the offensive line wasn't expecting because usually Dallas has enough outside weapons that you want to play conservative. You don't want to blitz your linebackers all the time because you want them in coverage. But the, the the Giants have you know capable guys in the secondary: Collins, Jenkins, Eli Apple, you name it. So I think that allows Spagnola to to realize that hey, I I have confidence in my guys in the secondary. So I'm going to send guys, and I'm going to keep pressuring Dak and hopefully force him into mistakes, and that was the case. Absolutely. You saw on third downs as well, I believe that the Cowboys went one of 15. That's a 
efficiency from third down. They went on fourth down twice, only converted once. The Giants, they didn't do too well on, on third down on their own offensive end, but holding the Cowboys to one of 15 from third down was absolutely phenomenal. And you know what I'm going I'm to have to say? They did a good job of containing Dak Prescott. You know he has feet. He's shown it all in college. He's shown it throughout the season so far. But not only did they put pressure on him, they contained him as well, forced him to throw the ball. And that's why you have those 20 incompletions. So that front four and that whole linebacker package right there, that, that seven, let's say, Alex, do you think that they're one of the scariest in football, the way they can really get to a quarterback? But not only get to him, they create a circle around him and force him to throw that ball. Yeah, I think they have to be, and, and of course, if Sunday's any indication that they're definitely um, a scary team and they're a scary defense, and it's just it's reminiscent of the teams from 2007 and 2011 with guys like O.C. Manure and Stray, and it's how those guys just were relentless and they swarmed and and they and they just always kept going and kept the pedal to the metal. So it's exciting to see that as a Giants fan, and just um, just the fact that they they're um, resembling teams of the past that were Super Bowl champions. It, it, it's pretty exciting, and it, and it gets your hopes up for sure. Without a doubt. Now let's talk about that guy on the left side filling in for Jason Pierre-Paul. Romeo Arquara fills in, undrafted rookie out of Notre Dame, and he has the game of his career so far. Led the team in tackles. He had three solo tackles and five assists, so we'll total that with eight. He has one sack on Dak Prescott. Did a great job. Swim move around Doug Free, and he got there quick, almost forced the ball out as well. I mean, Alex, what can you say about the about this kid's performance on Sunday night? I mean, it was just it was it was fantastic. I mean, the kid, he just stepped up and did his job. I, I was I was concerned going into the game. I know we didn't get a, t- a chance to talk about it uh, pregame, but we I was concerned about it going in. I, I didn't think that he would be able to really pick up the slack for JPP, but that's exactly exactly what he did and you know there was a lot of talk going in before the game should Kerry Wynn have made the start instead of Okra but obviously I think those uh those qualings are going to be put to rest now because he's uh he's definitely the guy going forward yeah Okwara shined in preseason took that spot from Kerry Wynn basically they were the Giants were extremely impressed with his tenacity to get to the ball and his determination to get around the blockers and you saw that as well Ezekiel Elliott trying to go to that right side. The Cowboys obviously wanted to test Aquara, and he didn't do anything fancy and, and, you know, mind-blowing, but he held his own. He got around, made a few stops on Elliott. I think, you know, a defense's scheme for Elliott would be to contain him. You can't really make him get those tackles for a loss all the time. You've got to contain his his workload, and I think that they did enough, and we'll talk about that later, but – after this performance on Sunday, you come to think, all right, do we really miss Jason Pierre-Paul? Alex, do you think that it's too hasty to jump and say, okay, we're good, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, get your rest, come back, we're good, Romeo, uh, Romeo excuse me, Aquar is here? Uh, well, well, I don't think there's any replacing Jason Pierre-Paul. He's, you know, he's a one-of-a-kind talent, a great player, but I think Aquar is, he's, he's going to fill in, he's going he's gonna to be a serviceable backman, and I think He's not going to, you know, hurt the team, if that makes sense. He's not going to, you know, be the cause of, of losing games or anything like that, which is really all the Giants can ask for at this point. They're, he's not as talented as JPP, but he's going to be fine. He's going to he's going to produce. He's going to get a sack every now and then. He's going to 
you know, get close to 10 tackles a game, and I think he's going to be fine for them. Beautifully said. Now let's move on to what went right on the offense. wasn't much. There was 10 points that were put up on the board, but seven of them came from none other than Odell Beckham Jr. Four catches, 91 yards, and 61 of those yards was a TD on a five-yard slant. Talk about a breakout play. This guy in the first half was dropping passes. He dropped the short touchdown. He dropped a first down that would have made it first and goal. Alex, we talked about this guy all season long. I think he is the most exciting player in the NFL, and he proved it there on that one play in the, in the third quarter. Talk about that play and just how the heck did he even make that happen? Well, I mean, great, great players always make big plays at big spots, even if they haven't been doing well. So I wasn't technically surprised that he made the play, but it was really incredible. So it was just a quick slant, you know, a quick slant. They've run this play multiple times this year. And, you know, Odell ran the quick slant. And then what Eli must have seen was Sean Lee, great middle linebacker for Dallas. He gave away that it was man coverage since he went to cover the running back. I think it was Jennings coming out of the backfield. And then that created a little window for Odell and – Eli slotted the ball in there, and then Odell used his breakout speed and quickness, and he uh, beat out Brandon Carr and a couple other uh, Dallas secondary guys um, in a foot race to the end zone. And it was just fantastic play, really got the stadium on their feet and really, you know, created a lot of excitement and buzz and really just gave the team a lot of momentum going forward into the rest of the game. And, and I said watching that, with the exception of Antonio Brown possibly, no one else can make that play. I mean, Odell's breakout no speed, if you hit him in stride, just watch him. Watch him go. Brandon Carr put his head down. He tried getting there. He was neck and neck. But it's one of those things that if you are even with Odell Beckham Jr., he's going to beat you, plain and simple. And that's what you saw happen there. Brought up Sean Lee, also had a great game. Got to got to put that in there for him. But Odell in the first half, he drops a couple key passes, would have tied the game in the first half, maybe gave the Giants a little bit of momentum. But he kept his cool throughout the game. Alex what have you, you know, liked about Odell in the the first half of the season? You know, we saw he got a little bit riled up, yelling at his teammates, screaming on the sideline, doing what he does. He drops a few passes, but it doesn't shake him. Do you like that maturity going forward? Do you think that Odell Beckham Jr. has sort of figured out that, you know, he needs to keep his cool for this team to win? I think he has. You know, earlier in the season with a couple dropped on balls, and especially that one top, sure touchdown. Um, he would have, you know, been upset. You know, he would have ranted or pouted on the sidelines, whatever you want to call it. But I think now, especially we saw on Sunday, he was calm and focused, and he didn't allow himself to get, you know, out of focus and just, you know, complaining and everything with, with the fact that he wasn't catching balls. He was just – he was quiet. You know, he just showed up on every play, you know, ran his rounds, um, did his assignments. And I think the fact that he was so calm – allowed him to really just stay focused and just relax and realize that, you know, there's still time. I'm a good player. I can make plays. I'm going to make a play. It's going to happen at some point. And that's what happened. And I think it's he's leaps and bounds from where he was at the start of the season, and that's exciting for Giants fans. So before we go on to the run game, which we're actually going to say was kind of good, last thing, nine people getting a reception on offense. Odell Beckham Jr. leading it with four but then you have Sterling Shepard with three, Will Ty with two, Rashad Jennings with two. You have Victor Cruz in there as well. He dropped a couple of passes uh, early. He looked a little bit shaken up, but he came back, made it a couple key um, key plays there. 
Do you like what you see in how Eli Manning wasn't just targeting Odell like he did in the second half last week with 15 targets? He was spreading, he was, you know, sharing the sugar, spreading the wealth, if you will. Do you like what, what you see from that side of the ball? I, I did like it, and, and that, that's what they're going to have to do, to do to win. Obviously, Ben McAdoo and Eli Manning, they're smart enough to realize that teams are going to realize if they're just throwing to Odell every play and if every single play is designed to go to Odell. So, you know, if you spread the ball out, it keeps everyone on their toes on the defense, and good things are going to happen if you spread the ball around. And Odell's going to get his, his catches and so is everyone else, and all the receivers on the Giants are capable of making plays. So it just makes sense to spread the ball out, and I look for them to continue doing that down the stretch. So last thing we're going to look at, what went right for the offense, is the run game. Yes, the run game. It wasn't too shabby against the, the Cowboys. Paul Perkins and Rashad Jennings both carrying the balls 15 times, and they had 45 yards each, and that was good enough to set up something for the offense. They got positive yards. They were moving on first and second down and setting up small first downs that Killed some clock. They did a great job in the fourth quarter as much as they could in killing the clock. Alex, what would you like from this run game? Obviously, it wasn't a breakout performance again. You didn't see a big run or a big touchdown run. It was enough, in in my opinion. Exactly. I think that's the key word there. It wasn't flashy, but it was definitely better than what they usually do. And and it helped – it helped open up some, some of the passing game, I think. They, they had a couple nice first-down runs, Perkins and Jennings. And, you know, when your running game starts going a little bit, as I've said the past couple of weeks, teams have to focus on that and respect it. And that's going to lead to, um, you know, second, secondary members creeping up in the box and trying to, you know, get ahead on the on the reads. And that's um, your receivers open, and that's what we saw. And I was I, I was happy. I, I think this is, again, you know, one of those um, – times where like we're kind of settling for this this run game or you know it, it wasn't a great performance so you know it's better for it's better from what we've seen from them in the past but um I, i'm excited with, with especially paul Perkins. i think he's been really kind of a breath of fresh air i think you know we're, we're seeing him start to you know get more of the reps and and or at least the same amount as jennings in this case and i just i like his speed and his quickness and he's he's just fun to watch well if marshall newhouse doesn't have that hold he has a breakout 20 plus yard run that you yeah. saw his elusiveness. He can get around. He can jump, jump cut, and put his head down as well, which is what you like to see. And that's why they drafted him as an all-around back out of UCLA. That's what, you know, scouts were saying about him. But we talk about that run game setting things up, and we're going to move on to what went wrong on offense because there was a lot. And we're going to start with quarterback Eli Manning. Once again, it was a scary performance from him. He was held under 200 yards. Specifically looking at his stats, he went 17 to 28 for 193 yards, one touchdown, and then one interception that came in the fourth quarter, and it scared a lot of fans. Again, Eli making it way too suspenseful, giving the Cowboys too much of, you know, space to come back and tie this one up. Alex, is there any excuse for him at this point? Because we've kind of let him go all season long. We were like, yeah, it's Eli, he'll come back. Or is he just that bad now? I don't know. I think it's a combination of both. Um, you know, Father Time's kind of kind of um, making his, his presence known with Eli. He's he's not the same. He doesn't have the same arm strength. His accuracy is kind of waning. And again, as you said, under 200 passing yards. This is the third straight game he's he's had over 200 under 200 passing yards. And I just think that also, I mean, his offensive line isn't helping him out. They've been 
good, relatively good, you know, in terms of pass block. But, you know, we saw on Sunday night Dallas' defensive line was able to really take advantage of a weak offensive line, which I'm sure we'll get to. And they just, you know, they put a lot of pressure on Eli. And so it's it's about it's half and half. Eli, you know, he's better than this. He's we, We've seen it in the past. He can make throws. And, and, but also, you know, you have to put a lot of the, of the blame on the offensive line and the fact that they haven't been able to protect him. And he's had to rush throws as a result of it. Absolutely. Let's get to that offensive line right away then. A lot of people are saying if there's one scapegoat for Eli Manning, it is that offensive line. And it was atrocious again, and we have to point fingers at the first-round draft pick last week in Eric Flowers. He needs some serious remodeling. You saw Chris Collinsworth ripping apart his technique, showing (laughs) the fans and everyone watching exactly what is going wrong with him. And it can't be that easy for a guy who used to play wide receiver to look at and say, this is what you're doing wrong. That means that there's a serious problem. Marshall Newhouse, again, we talked about those key holding penalties. He had a few. The line looked lethargic. They were trying to get around on some blocks for the run, and Sean Lee, we talked about him before, took advantage, jumped right into it, shut him down. All right, go ahead, next down, try again. I mean, he forced Man- they forced Manning into making quick throws. We talked about the defense's best game of the season, but Alex, do you think this was the offensive line's worst game of the season? I think it was. They they made a Dallas defensive line, which is is all right, but you know by no means like the Giants defensive line. They made them look fantastic. As you said, they looked slow. They they weren't hit. They weren't getting to you know their blocking assignments at times. They weren't pulling quick enough. And Eric Flowers again. I mean, his technique. His hands are too low. His weight isn't back. He's he's lunging at defenders instead of having them come to him. And and the results are are showing on the field. He's he's getting beat beat like a drum out there, honestly. And it's. It's it's embarrassing for him and you know as as a former first round pick especially and I, it's just it was definitely the I'd say the worst performance which says a lot because they've had some pretty bad performances this season. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Cowboys defensive front not too bad, but again, they could have been held with the way that the offensive line was working in the beginning of the season. Eric Flowers had his worst game of the season. I mean, when you push a lineman into your quarterback, that's how you know that there is an issue out there. Hopefully that can get, you know, settled up before the end of the season. But last thing we're going to look at on what went wrong on the offense is the 10 points that went up on the board. It just won't cut it going forward, especially not to finish off the season, especially if you want to be a playoff contender. So, Alex, I'm going to ask you if you can somehow fit this into a small time window. How do you think the Giants will fix putting points on the board throughout the game and not just in little spurts? You know, but that, that, I mean, that's going to take a, a lot longer than, than a little bit of time to answer. I just think that they mm-hmm. have to just, you know, I, the running game is what it is. They're just going to have to rely on the pass and just keep spreading the ball around. And I think the conditions, you know, hurt Odell. I think, you know, and, and all the receivers, I think if the conditions were a little better, they would have put up a little more a little more points than the 10 they did. So I just think they have to kind of continue with what they're doing, which is kind of a scary thought, but they really don't have any options at this point. Yeah, I think that the, the offense somehow can can figure it out. If they can, like we said, spread the ball around. But Eli Manning needs to make good throws. He can't make dumb throws like he did in the fourth quarter. There should have been another interception from Justin Durant, and he dropped it because yeah. it was a bullet. I mean, it seems that, again, Eli is sort of going with the motions too, thinking about the scheme too much. Instead of just being athletic and finding that open player, 10 points, like we said, not going to cut it. And the Giants are going to have to figure that out going forward because they're going to 
play a Detroit Lions team that can certainly put points up on the board. Let's go to what went wrong on the defense, and there really wasn't anything to go wrong, nothing whatsoever in my point. When you hold a team to seven points that was phenomenal all season long, that's great. And it was their best performance of the season. So, Alex, in my opinion, I think they've been getting better every single week. Are the New York Giants the scariest defense in the league right now? I, I, I think they are. I think they're right up there, you know, with the likes of, you know, the Denver Broncos, teams like that. They, that defensive, the defensive line has been fantastic. I mean, you know, Damon Harris especially has been a fantastic addition. Olivier Vernon has been, as we said, the quiet assassin all season. He's been fantastic. And even in the midst of JPP going down, which we thought was just, you know, a season-ender for them, we get a Romeo Oguara who's, who steps in and fills in and does a great job. So that's kind of a great defensive union that, you know, that your backups and you have a lot of depth and your backups can perform and uh, take the place of your starters and the team doesn't skip a beat for, um, for it. So I would say they're definitely one of the scariest units right now in the league. And opposing teams, I'm sure, throughout the league are taking note. And the Giants are not a team that uh, a lot of opposing teams would want to play in the playoffs for sure. Absolutely not. And let's get into that real quick before we go into our winners, winners and losers, excuse me, as we do every week. The Giants beat the Dallas Cowboys, the only team to beat the Dallas Cowboys this season, twice. Not just once, but twice. And week one, they say, okay, maybe it was a fluke. Dak and Ezekiel Elliott, you know, getting their first NFL reps. But this is week 13, uh, week 14, excuse me, and they are more than certainly a great team, and they shut them down yet again because of this. A, first question, Alex, do you think the Giants make the playoffs because of this game? Or, I mean, and B, excuse me, do you think that they would be the team to beat in the playoffs if they were to make it? Well, I, I think they will make the playoffs because of this game. I think nine wins will be enough, but I think they're going to beat either Washington or Philadelphia or both, so they could have 12 wins easily. Um, as terms In terms of being the team to beat in the NFC, you can make an argument for it. I still think Dallas is, is a great team. I think Seattle is fantastic, so I would still put those guys as the teams to beat, but you know, Dallas right now, they they do not want to play the Giants in the playoffs. The Giants are the only team that's proven to have figured them out, and they have their number right now. And, you know, they, their teams, they're just so familiar with each other that, you know, it just, it makes sense that Spagnola and, and Macu and all those guys, that they know how to scheme against this team. And So I, I don't think necessarily the team to be in the, in the NFC, but I think they're definitely the biggest threat to um, Dallas is a Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. Three games left, starting with the Detroit Lions at home, and then you have to finish on the road in the Eagles in Redskins, both divisional games. So, to me, Alex, I think that the Giants do make the playoffs. I don't know for sure if nine wins is going to do it. I think maybe ten is going to do it. Hopefully the Giants can get um, across early against the Lions and you know, maybe the Eagles, who are also suffering a little bit, always, again, hard to play at the link. So I think 10 wins will certainly do it, get the Giants in there, hopefully secure that fifth seed. But as the team to beat, I don't think they're the team to beat. They have still have a lot of questions on offense. And obviously, you know, defense wins championships, but offense wins games. You've got to put points on the board. Mm-hmm. got to be able to solidify a lead. And the Giants did so on Sunday, but it was extremely scary. Last thing we're going to go into, as we always do, our winners and losers of the matchup. The Giants just all around a big round of applause, but Alex, give out your gold medal, so to speak, for Sunday's matchup. 
Well, my first winner is Romeo Oguara. Eight tackles, one sack, really stepped in, did a great job for JPP. And we had a lot of questions going into that game, but he really proved us wrong and proved that he's going to be a viable um, replacement for JPP. The Dallas defensive line thought did a great job. They, they, they're about average going into the game, but they really um, made the Giants' offensive line look weak and got to Eli a couple of times, including forcing that fumble um, early in the game. And then the Giants' secondary, of course, two interceptions and just really shutting down Des Bryant, Cole Beasley, and all those guys. And they were just fantastic, again, as I said. And um, they uh, they definitely are the, the winners of the game. Yes, absolutely. That secondary as a whole is the winners of the game. But more specifically, I'm going to have to go with Janoris Jenkins as my first winner. Did a great job. Gets another interception on the season. Kept Des Bryant to one catch. That is hard to do. You saw Josh Norman couldn't do that. So, Janoris Jenkins, obviously, I think, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Odell Beckham Jr., he gets another one of my winners of the week. Stayed calm in the second half, came out, make the, made the breakout play that ended up on SportsCenter. Great job by him. And then Ezekiel Elliott, didn't talk about him at all during the show today, but he had 24 carries for over 100 yards, doubled his yard total in week one against the Giants. So, I think he got his revenge. Obviously, would have wanted that win, but... Again, he was a force to reckon with. Alex, how about those losers? Eli Manning has got to be a loser again for me, unfortunately. Third straight consecutive game under 200 yards. One interception just really hasn't looked comfortable for a number of weeks now. Des Bryant, my second loser. Again, well, no catches, but the one catch he did have, he fumbled. He was really held in check all game by Janoris Jenkins, as you said. Then Eric Flowers, again, just his techniques off, his fundamentals are off, as Chris Collinsworth pointed out to us all on um, Sunday Night Football, and again, he's just looking um, even more like a bust every single game. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Eli Manning as well. Not a good performance on his part, but I'm going to also put it on the Cowboys quarterback. Dak Dak Prescott did not have a good game whatsoever, even worse than Eli Manning, if you can picture it, and that eventually cost the Cowboys their second loss. All the time we have today, folks. Check out the Giants beat on scout.com for all the latest news, as always, on the New York Giants. Great win by the G-Men. Hopefully they can finish off these last three games on a high note. For Alex Evans, I'm Scott Thompson. We'll see you next time, and go Giants.